Amen. Well, let us pray and ask God's blessing upon us as we go into his word and uh, discover more of the glories of the incarnation that is our Savior and our Lord, Jesus Christ. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we do once again um, humbly bow with our heads down and our hearts open. Open before you, Lord, that you would search them and you would know them. That even now by your spirit, you would convict us of our sin and remind us of the grace that is ours in Christ Jesus our Lord. The baby who was born in Bethlehem, even our Savior, might he be more glorified in our hearts, might he be more glorified in our minds because we have been in this place, because we have opened your word because we have seen his glory once again, the glory of the only begotten of the Father. Come now by your spirit. Open our ears that we might hear what the spirit of the Lord is saying to the church, even in this Advent season. We thank you and we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, indeed, last week we um, began a series, a short series of uh, three messages on the advent of Christ, on the coming of Christ into the world on this Christmas season. And the title of those messages is, Why Did Jesus Come? Why did Jesus come? And last week we saw that Jesus came to save sinners. And we saw that from 1 Timothy chapter 1 when Paul says that this this is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptance that Christ came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. Well, this week we have another message on why Jesus came into the world. It's taken from the Apostle John in John in 1 John. Chapter 3, where we see plainly stated that the Bible says that Christ, the Son of God, appeared, manifested, was revealed, came into the world to destroy the works of the devil. You know, Christmas is a time of rejoicing. It's a time of peace. And we, we delight in those rejoicings. We delight in the gladness. We delight to experience and to even give gladness to others in the sharing of gifts. The joy that overflows in the heart of someone who receives a gift is often only matched by the joy of the one who gave the gift. Because Christmas is about giving and receiving it's about joy it's about it's about gladness and so the songs that we sing at christmas time are not sad songs they're not dirges but rather we sing songs like joy to the world the lord has come angels we have heard on high singing sweetly over the plain why is christmas such 
a wonderful time. Why is Christmas seen as a time of joy and singing? It is because we understand that Christ came into the world to bring peace. He was manifested to bring joy. When the angels appeared to the shepherds out on the, in the fields, keeping their flock by night, they said to the shepherds announcing the birth of Jesus, fear not. For behold, I bring you good news that is of what? A great joy. Because Christ came to bring joy. And when the other angels joined in the discussion, the Bible says that they gave praise to God and said, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace. Goodwill. Toward men. And the Bible reminds us that one of our Savior's prophesied name in Isaiah chapter 9 is that he would be referred to as the Prince of Peace. Joy, peace, gladness, good tidings. Christ came to bring peace to our hearts. He came to bring peace to our lives. He came to bring peace to the nations. He came to bring peace to creation. He came to establish peace between us and God. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 19, that he came reconciling the world unto himself. How? Colossians chapter 1 and verse 20 says, by making peace through his blood. And so we see peace on earth is the theme of Christmas. Peace on earth. And yet, there is, there is a segment of creation. There is an aspect of the created world that would not regard our Lord's incarnation as an act of peace. There's a segment of creation that would not see Christ coming into the world as a time of joy and gladness. There is a segment of the world, indeed, that segment would be Satan and his minions. The birth of Jesus was not a time of joy for Satan and his kingdom. It was not the pronouncement of peace to the king and the kingdom of darkness. But on the contrary, it was the pronouncement of war. Christ did not come to bring Satan peace. He did not come to bring Satan joy. He did not come to bring the devil salvation. The Bible reminds us this morning that the reason Christ came into the world, the purpose for his being manifested in the world was to destroy the works of the devil, even the devil himself. John Piper says it rightly when he says Christmas is God's invasion of enemy territory to rescue people from the devil and to destroy the sin in their lives. Another writer puts it plain. He says Christmas is 
violent. It's violent. The world would have us to believe that Christmas is about Christmas trees and angels' wings and jingle bells and popcorn smells and caroling in the snow. But the church of Jesus Christ must be reminded that Christmas is about violence. It is the God of heaven coming in Christ Jesus, storming the gates of hell and putting Satan on the run. It is, it is Christ born in the manger, beloved, that put the devil on the run. And when that baby was born, you best believe Satan got busy. He knew his time was short. He had been trying to prevent this for all of redemptive history. And here it was. Reminding him of the promise that was made to him in Genesis chapter 3 and verse 15 by God himself. When he, turned, he told Satan, he told the serpent, I will put enmity between you and the woman and between her offspring and your offspring. You shall bruise his head and he will crush. You shall bruise his heel, but he will crush your head. This promise was affirmed in Isaiah chapter 7, chapter 7 and verse 14, where the prophet says, Therefore the Lord himself will give a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. Interpreted meaning God with us. Beloved, when the Bible says that God is with you, it doesn't mean that God has come just to shake your hand. It doesn't mean that God has come and to sit around a campfire with you and sing Kumbaya. But it means that God has come to do battle on your behalf. He is with you to turn back your enemies and to guarantee you victory. then we see the fulfillment of this even in the hearing of king herod in matthew chapter 2 in verse 1 where it says the wise men came to herod and they said where is he who has been born king of the jews we have come that we might worship him and immediately immediately herod got scrambling immediately herod got frantic why because the devil was scrambling the devil was frantic because christ had come into the world to destroy him last week we made the point that Christmas is not about Santa Claus, but rather it is about sin. This week, in the same similar vein, we want to say again that Christmas is not about Santa Claus, but rather it is about Satan. Christmas is about violence. 
is the violence of God against the evil and the sin of Satan. Do you understand that if there was no Satan, there would be no sin? And if there was no sin, there would be no Christmas. And the reason that we have Christmas is because there was Satan. You understand that in the beginning, God threw Satan out from his presence, cast him upon the earth, and God gave Satan leisure upon the earth. But Satan upon the earth only had leisure. It was Adam and Eve who gave Satan license. For God had established Adam and Eve upon the earth to be his vicegerents, to be his rulers, his, his, his ambassadors upon the earth. And they were to govern and they were to rule upon the earth and reign in the glory and the kingdom of God throughout all creation. But instead of that, they handed over that. Satan. And they gave him license. In creation. God gave Satan leisure. Adam and Eve gave him license. And ever since then, all human beings have been willingly surrendering their lives. Born into sin. Chasing after the ways of Satan and sin and the devil and his minions. Held captive by sin. Because sin reigned over the world. Because like Adam and in Adam, all sinned. And yet even beyond sinning in Adam, all have committed sin themselves. So we see in Christ Jesus coming into the world. The Bible says that he came to make an end to all our sin because he came to destroy the works of the devil. What is the work of the devil? What is the devil's work? Well, the text, our text tells us in verse eight, it says the devil has been sinning From the beginning. The work of Satan is sin. That's his work. It's presence, it's power, and it's penalty. The presence of sin is Satan's work. The power of sin is Satan's work. And the penalty that sin brings is Satan's work. And to understand this, it is necessary then, if Satan has been sinning from the beginning, to understand the magnitude of his work and how that work has been manifested in the life of the world and in our lives, is necessary that we go to the beginning. Let's go to the beginning and discover there we see Satan's op 
objectives. For though his methods may have changed and morphed over the years, his motives and objectives have not. The reason Christ came into the world is to destroy Satan. And it is because Satan has sought destruction from the beginning. Satan desired three things in the beginning. He still desires them today. And the first thing Satan did was Satan desired to destroy faith. It's his object. That's the presence. The presence of Satan is for the undermining of faith. He wants to install disbelief. And so you see this from the beginning. He said to Adam and Eve, after God had told them not to eat of the tree that is in the midst of the garden, Satan comes to them and says, did God really say? Hath God really said? In other words, In other words, he wants to destroy confidence in the word of God. He wants to undermine trust in God's word. He wants to injure and subvert faith and confidence in the goodness of God among his people. This is what the devil did to Adam and Eve. He wanted to destroy their belief in God. But this is not only what the devil did to Adam and Eve. This is what the devil desires to do to you and me. He wants to undermine your confidence in the word of God. He wants to undermine your faith and your assurance in the goodness of God. He wants to get you to disbelieve God. Satan comes that you might believe that God is not true. He comes that you would believe that God is not good. That God will not do just as he said he would do. This is the reason why Satan came into the world. Beloved. This is so important for us to understand. Satan's objective is for you to believe that God is wrong. Satan's objective is for you to believe that God is not true. Satan's desire is for you to believe that God is not good. And therefore, he wanted to subvert them. He wanted to distract them. He wanted to deter them. For this is his work. He is a liar. The Bible says he is the father of lies. Jesus says this in John chapter 8 and verse 44. He was a liar. He is the father of lies. And when he lies, he speaks of his own character. Know that the devil is a liar. And the 
coming of Christ into the world is the testimony that God is true. It is the testimony that God will do just as he said. Just as he had promised that the son of God would be born in Bethlehem, so he was. Just as he promised that the son of God would be born of a virgin, so he was. Christ's coming into the world is the fulfillment of the promise of God and the demonstration that God is true. You can trust him. You can believe him. But not only is it assurance that God is true, it is also the assurance that God is good. It is the goodness of God. The baby born in the manger is the goodness of God as Jesus' life manifests this. The Bible says in Acts chapter 10 and verse 38 that Jesus went about doing good. And that's the testimony of his life. In John chapter 2, when he went to the wedding and they ran out of wine and he turned the water into wine, you can best believe, beloved, that that was a good thing. In John chapter 5, when he heals the man who is standing, who's sitting there by the pool of Bethesda and he heals him after he had had this infirmity, infirmity for over 30 years, when he heals the man, you can believe that that is a good thing. When over 5,000 men and women are standing on the hillside, and it's getting late in the evening and they haven't eaten anything. And Jesus take that minuscule portion of food and he prays and multiplies it for the feeding of over 5,000 men and women. You best believe that that was a good thing. Because despite what Satan Christ comes into the world to remind us that God is good. God is good. And so you don't believe him. You don't believe him when he says that God is not good because you didn't get the job. Don't believe it. Don't believe him when he tells you that God is not good because the relationship went sour. Don't believe it. Don't believe it when he says that God is not good because the cancer returned. Don't believe it. Don't believe him when he tells you that God is not good because the children have gone wayward and disobedient and disrespectful. You don't believe it. But you look to the manger. You see the baby born in the manger. But more than that, look beyond the manger and see that baby born there, a grown man hanging on a cross and see there your sins forgiven. See the glorious goodness of God on your behalf and you remind Satan that he is a liar. Because my sins have been forgiven and I know that God is good. 
No matter what my circumstances might say, I know that God is good. Hear the promises of God and know that they are true and find your joy and happiness, not in your circumstances, but in the fact that God is good. Can you tell Satan like Adam and Eve should have told Satan. I came to Jesus just as I was, weary, wounded, and sad. But I have found in him a resting place. And he has made me glad. And nothing and no one can take that from me. This is why Jesus came into the world to destroy the work of Satan. He seeks to destroy your faith. Christ comes to establish it anew. Not only to see from the beginning that Satan came to destroy faith, beloved. He also seeks to destroy obedience. You know, if he could just get Adam and Eve to disbelieve, then he would be able to get them to disobey. That's what he wants. He wants you to disbelieve so that ultimately you would disobey. If he can just get them to disbelieve God, he knew that it would be a small step to get them to disobey God. And if the presence of Satan is to discourage faith, the power of Satan is in the destruction of obedience. Our text reminds us that he who practices sinning practices lawlessness. Because sin is lawlessness. It is the idea of living as if God has not spoken, as if <clears throat> there are no commands from God. And this is the life of Satan, for Satan is the chief practitioner of lawlessness. He is the chief practitioner of sinfulness. For the Bible says that Satan has been a sinner from the beginning. But you do know that he was only the first. Someone has rightly said the devil was the first sinner. And sinners today without Christ are his posterity. Indeed, he was the first sinner. My man Shailen reminds us that we all are cursed from our birth, sinning from the beginning, the womb to the tomb, depraved to the grave, astray every day. Every breath brings death because in Adam all die. In Adam all die. Because we're rebels like the devil. How do you like that one, Stephen? Christ came into the world to destroy the devil by making an end to sin. And the power of the devil has, the power that the devil has is to influence to sin. 
And those who practice sin, the Bible says, those who give themselves habitually over to it without remorse, without regard, without conscience are sinning and are held captive in Satan's power. That's what it says. Christ, however, came. Christ came. Christ is manifested. Christ is revealed so as to break the power of sin and Satan in our lives. That's why he came. He pronounces to the devil and to sin, even as he pronounced to Lazarus at the tomb, when he said to the grave clothes, loosing, unbinding, and letting go. And this is what he does to sin and the devil in our lives. Beloved, get this. Satan wants to convince you that you have to have an illicit relationship. He wants to convince you that you have to get angry. He wants to convince you that you have to gossip. He wants to convince you that you have to watch that explicit material. He wants to convince you that you have to be in disobedience to God. Christ is manifested so that you have the power to say no. If you have been born of God, the Bible says. If the seed of God abides in you, if you are a child of God through faith in Jesus Christ, then again, you can say to the devil and his minions, you are a liar. I don't have to live in sin. I don't have to get angry. I don't have to cheat. I don't have to lie. I don't have to watch that. I don't have to go there. Why? Because Christ has defeated the work of the devil in my life. He has given me power over sin in my life. Oh. Christ has been manifested to destroy the work of Satan, even to make an end to our sin. But you know, it's not just, Satan doesn't just want to get you to disbelieve. Satan doesn't just want you to disobey. Ultimately, Satan wants you to die. That's his work. He wants to destroy faith. He wants to destroy obedience. But ultimately, he wants to destroy you. That's what he desires. The wages of sin, the Bible says, is death. And Satan doesn't just want disbelief and disobedience. He ultimately wants you dead. He wants you dead. Why? Because death is his destination and misery loves company. 
Death is where he, he's going and he wants all to come with him. Ultimately, the work of Satan is death itself. Remember? Remember what he told Adam and Eve? Remember he's sinning from the beginning? Remember what he told Adam and Eve? Oh, you will not surely die. Even though God had already told them that the day they eat of that tree, they will die. Satan comes and says, oh, no, you will not surely die. Knowing full well that God had already told them that they would die. He tells them that they wouldn't, knowing that they would. Oh, beloved, he is a liar. And death is his motivation. You understand? That's what he wants. Satan can't kill God. He can't destroy God. And so he destroys, he sets out to destroy all that God has pronounced as good. He can't destroy God. So he comes into creation. Is creation good? Satan desires to destroy it. Is the man and the woman good? Satan designs to destroy it. Is marriage good? He wants to destroy it. Is family good? He wants to destroy it. Is sex good? He wants to pervert it. Is joy good? He wants to undermine it. Is God's word good? He wants to undermine its confidence. Is the church good? He wants to distract her. Is Christ himself good? Then he comes and tries to kill him. Because he wants to destroy all that God says. It's good. You know, you see this, especially with Jesus. We tried to stop the birth of Christ. And he couldn't prevent the birth of Christ. So then when he is born, he seeks to kill the baby Jesus, but he can't accomplish that. So he comes to Jesus in the temptation and he tries to tempt Jesus and he tries to undermine Jesus and he tries to distract and divert Jesus from the purpose that he came into the world, which is his own destruction. But Jesus looks at him and says three times, it is written, it is written, it is written. And then when Jesus cast the demon out of the man. He casts the demons out of the man and he throws the demons into the swine. Right then, Satan knew it was really only a matter of time. It was going to be swine today. It'll be the pit of hell tomorrow. And even even, even on the cross, Satan seeks to deal Christ his final blow as Satan seeks to injure Christ one last time. The devils might have rejoiced for a moment. But do you know that at the resurrection of Christ, the deal was 
seal. At that point, beloved, Satan's greatest weapon, even death itself, is dead. Satan comes to kill, steal, and destroy. The resurrection of Christ is the pronouncement that he who would kill, he who would steal, he who would destroy, his power is now dead. Death is dead. Because Christ is alive. And the works of the devil are destroyed because the Son of Man has been revealed. In Hebrews chapter 2, in verse 14 through 15, we are reminded that Christ came into the world and through his death destroyed, abolished, did away with the one who has the power of death, that is even the devil himself. So as to deliver us from Satan's power and his dominion, This is the reason why Christ came into the world, beloved. Not just to be born, not just to die, but also and ultimately to be raised again so as to ultimately destroy the work of the devil, which is death itself. That's why we can say like the apostle Paul, O death, where is your sting? O death, where is your victory? You have none. You have no victory here, Satan. You have no victory here. Death, death is defeated. Satan is defeated. Why? Because the Son of God has been revealed. He has come into the world. And victory is ours. Victory is ours. So I, ho- I heard an old, old story. How a savior came from glory. How he gave his life on Calvary to save a wretch like me. He loved me ere I knew him. And all my love was doomed. And he plunged me to victory beneath his cleansing blood. Have victory in Jesus. He's my savior. He's my savior forever. Victory in Jesus. Understand this, beloved. When you walk out of this church today. How often we live far below the victory that is ours in Christ Jesus. Don't walk out of here with your head hung down. Don't walk out of here defeated. I don't care what is going on in your life. This morning, if for no other time, do me a favor this morning and walk out of here in victory. Just once. Be reminded 
that the blood of Christ is efficacious. Be reminded that Satan's power over you has been broken. Be reminded that your sins are no more a deterrent to your relationship with God. Be reminded that you are victorious in Christ Jesus. You walk out of here with your head hung up. You walk out of here looking up. Not because of what you've done. But because Christ has come into the world and he has destroyed your enemy. And he has made an end to all your sin. Just once. Just once. If you don't ever do it any other time, if you haven't done it before, just once. Walk out of here into the world believing and walking in the newness and the victory that is yours in Christ Jesus. We're going to come to our Lord's table this morning. And what a glorious opportunity it is not only to hear the word of God and to hear of the victory that we have in Christ Jesus, but you get to see it and you get to taste it. If you've never tasted victory before, taste it now. It's in his body. It's in his blood. Taste and see that he is good. Taste and see that the victory is yours. Let us pray. Heaven, human beings in this world, troubled on every side, troubled with the indwelling sin in our lives, troubled by our enemy who is ever busy, troubled, often cast down. But thank you for your reminder this morning that we are not defeated. That we are in Christ Jesus and the victory that he has wrought is ours. And as he has crushed the Satan's hand, head, so too soon Will we crush him under our feet? Thank you, Heavenly Father, for the blessings of your promises. Thank you for the victory that is ours. In Jesus Christ, in his name we pray. Amen.